Hello and welcome to the Layers Podcast. I'm your host, Tayo, and I'm so happy to have you join us today. The heart behind the Layers Network and podcast is to see people grow. So each conversation we have is designed to have something in there just for you. And I hope that that very thing that you take away equips and empowers you to broaden your thinking, your network, and your personal influence. So whether you're at home, in the car, or on your daily commute, relax and enjoy the conversation. Welcome, guys. Today we have, I'm really, really excited actually, because today we have the founders and the creators of The Small Chops. The Small Chops is a weekly newsletter that distills social, economic, and political development across African countries. It's a newsletter that gives you bite-sized content that empowers young people across the continent to engage and participate in their communities and in leadership spaces. Guys, I love your newsletters. I am definitely your customer and I love the name Small Chops. But thank you. As you know, as Nigerians, the name Small Chops is people think of food. Are you guys dealing with the disappointment that you're not actually selling food, but you're selling news? <laughs> this is an issue that you've had. <laughs> Christine, I'll let you go first. Um yeah. I I See me, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I think I, I'm not about it too much. I, you're gonna edit this part out. Um, but to me, I, oh my gosh, I was trying to remember how you explained it at first because you did such a great job at it. I was like, oh, how did okay. you say it? I think you should I? go, yeah, yeah, you should, okay. you should take this one. Um, yeah, okay, yes, of course, we face disappointment. I mean, I live in Nigeria. I run a company called The Small Chops. People are going to be like, <laughs> oh, you do food. <laughs> of course that's going to happen. Um, but ultimately, it's basically when Christine and I were talking about it, we were thinking about it like we're taking large, undigestible con- news content and we're chopping it up. And I think we kept saying we just need to chop it up. We just need to chop it up. And that's how we started thinking, hey, it's actually just... Small, small, we kept saying small bites, small chops, small chops, and it just kind of segued. Um, I think it, it was almost a natural progression, and I think um, it's it's a great appeal. Like the name creates an appeal for the audience because people are like, "Oh, the small chops," and you're like, "You do news? What does that even mean?" Yeah. Um, and I think it's fun. Um, it's a fun. It, it matches our brand because our news content, like you said, is easily digestible, but it's also mm-hmm. supposed to be super engaging. Um, yeah. And so we try to be witty, we try to be fun and easy. And I think the name Small Chops just carries our brand ethos and then everything just follows through. Um, and yes, um, I think we were going to try and fit in a, a food thing, like a, a Small Chops <laughs> thing at some point. Um, just like, oh, hey, you've been reading the news, you've been engaging with it. How about you actually get the Small Chops that you've been <laughs> thinking you were getting? Um, Giveaway, so yeah, spring roll. Yeah, so we were thinking about that. I'm not so sure how feasible that is, but yeah, I, it's, it's... I love that. <laughs> I actually weirdly like that. Yeah. Well, so sorry. For those of you listening in that are not familiar with Small Chops, in Nigeria, Small Chops are like basically like finger food that you get at a party or... Yeah. I was going to say something. I don't know if I'm being a bit too forward by... Am I reaching by calling it potential tapas? Like, is that... <laughs> yeah, basically tapas. It is actually... It is, it is Nigerian or... I think they have it in some other African countries. Maybe yeah. it's just not called small chops. But yeah. it's, I mean, we really... 
concept of also like the, the, the small chops pack is an a whole experience like you yeah. get a little bit of everything different like food groups carbs proteins like it's just such an experience and i think that's what we wanted to be like a melting pot of like micro experiences wow, you're um, really and <laughs> you really made this and puff puff into a melting <laughs> pot of experiences we really do <laughs> no but it is and i yeah. think i think we really like we don't we try not to detract too much from the name the name is yeah. really the name is key um it's key in many ways and i i think we love it we have fun with it um yeah. And yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. I love it. I love it. So we've gotten into small chops now, the name. But who are you guys? Tell us a bit about yourselves. What do you okay. do? Have you always wanted to do this? What were you doing before? What are you doing during? Just <laughs> where are you from? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so we are. I mean, as as you mentioned, um, very articulately in the. Um, is that even a word? Articulately, I. I think yeah, sounds. I mean, I think it is. I <laughs> it like doesn't it. sound like a word. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So so you know, obviously, small chops. Um, you know, a content um a content platform that essentially looks at identifying. Um, leading political, economic, and social issues, and and writing that in a way that's easy for the reader to understand. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, separately before small chops, um, I personally worked uh, as a business consultant for a few years, then worked in the public policy space, um, and I think the one thing that just constantly, um, you know, followed me all through is how. To engage and 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 to you know to even just be interested in terms of you know the leadership trajectories of their countries, the economic trajectories of their countries, mm-hmm. and and you know and the political spaces mm-hmm. as well. And what constantly you know our you know my theory was was that you know there's there's a lot of obviously like you know there's so much voter apathy you know young people mm. just don't care to wake up and vote mm-hmm. and 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 one thing was you know either a you know, we they feel powerless, right? There's been yeah. so many leaders who come in and and promise, and you know, a lot of them vote, um, you know, hoping that or, or don't like. But but there's this overall hope that you know this one person is just gonna be that one person mm. to actually, you know, get us get get us onto that other side. Yeah. Um, um, but you know, overall, there's just a lot of um, yeah, there's just a lot of you know voter apathy and you know this mm-hmm. idea of feeling helpless as young people. Yeah. And so for us, the key thing was how do we write or how do we get people to engage with what's happening in their countries? And the first mm-hmm. one is information. If people are more knowledgeable, if they know what a certain policy is actually going to do, you know, two years down the line, five years down the line, then then maybe just maybe right, they can actually be be interested and so for us it was how do you um you know have people understand all these policy issues a you know, write it in a way that people can understand and then mm-hmm. um you know hopefully then that empowers somebody to not only engage uh with other people in like an intellectual manner in that you know conversations mm-hmm. but also be able to question their leaders and and be yeah. able to you know to even you know understand what it means to support a policy what exactly does that mean um and and you know that's that's essentially what we are hoping to to bridge i love that mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really couldn't have said it. It's very hard to add anything to that. Um, but who I am, uh, I work in strategic communications. I have been for the past um, four plus years. It's, it was my, what I studied in uni. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically been my field. Um, and so I, I, I think that when I started working in communications, I started trying to find my feet. And it was often hard to find the actual purpose of anything that I was doing. And so I was on a quest for more social impact initiatives. How can I make more impact um, with what I'm doing? And I've always fashioned myself to be a content producer. <laughs> I, I'm making air quotes for really, um, I should be able to, <laughs> to own that now. I'm a content producer. It's what I love to do. And I think I am good at it. Uh, and it's, so it's about merging this gift with my desire for, to make more social impact. Um, and honestly small chops came about kind of like at the perfect time mm-hmm. I think um, also because Christine and I were working together at this company and she was about to leave so the idea kind of landed on us <laughs> perfectly um, I, I got really frustrated because I, I would ask people about I would ask people experts policy experts to explain to me uh, to explain what was happening with this policy to me or explain what the CVN was doing or and yeah. I remember having a particular conversation with this guy and he completely frustrated me it was like he was intentionally trying to get me to see how much I didn't know <laughs> and I remember thinking there's nothing wrong with not knowing because I'm trying to find out more yeah um, and if for instance, everybody's presenting the, the news to you in this way, in this way, where it's, you hit a wall and you're hitting more walls, then what's the point? Why do you want, want to engage with it? Um, yeah. So I went to Christine, super frustrated. Uh, and I was just like, you know, I don't even understand people. Why do they try to make things so complex for you? Isn't mm-hmm. it just so simple to say A, B, and C? And I was just <laughs> ranting. <laughs> and she was like, you're so right. You're so right. Everything, if we could just like chop up the news and obviously. Um, and so we started talking about ways that we could actually make this into a real thing. Like who would yeah. be the audience? Um, who needs it the most? And we realized young people, because they keep saying we're tomorrow's leaders, we're tomorrow's leaders, but what does that even look like? And how how do we become tomorrow's leaders if we don't understand the implications of the things that are happening today? Um, yeah. And so it's really about young people, um, but also we kept thinking about the people at the bottom of the pyramid and how does the policy, how do they know what policy affects them and how yeah. and why and what their rights are. So that's one of our longer term goals as well. But for now, it's really about empowering young people, getting them to engage with news engage with what's actually happening yeah. um and i think we do it in a very interesting way because it's it's some it's funny you remember in fact i think sometimes after i sent out the chop i would hear i would be talking to a friend a week later or maybe i'll be talking to a bunch of friends and i would hear one of them reference something that they read in a chop and i was like yeah go, go, girl like, yes, this, is, this is what it's all about it's, it's so rewarding to be like people yeah. are learning and actually growing and i I have a few friends who are starting to think about new businesses. So I think ultimately it's really about um, just giving people the tools that they need to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it helps to bring my communications and my desire for social impact together in the perfect way. Um, yeah. And with Christine's amazing policy brain, <laughs> I think together um, <laughs> we just kind of unravel the news and unravel the happening. And it's a lot of fun, honestly. It's so much fun. I love that. So Learning about, I love what you said about people are always trying to make this thing seem a lot more complicated than it is. Mm -hmm. So like I did Mm -hmm. international relations and then I went and did global media for my master's and all these things. And I remember someone, Mm -hmm. I remember asking someone, I was like, can you just explain to me 
I think I asked them, like, just explain to me in a nutshell, private equity. Hmm. <laughs> I, I think, I don't, I can't even quote to you what the person said because I don't remember <laughs> what the person said because it became a whole thing about Forex and then this and then the trades. I was like, okay, we're done now. Girl, That's enough. And actually, a one minute YouTube clip helped me a lot better with that. You could have just said yeah. all of that. <laughs> in, in literally a bite-sized content that was you were able to yeah. engage with i have a question about the news so are you guys learning as you're going like how do you how is the, what's the content production like for you are you learning are you kind of sourcing our news and being like oh this is really interesting people should know about this like what is your process okay um christine do you want to take this one yeah, um, I think it's, you know, we don't have a one particular process um, yeah. uh, in terms of the process, right? There, there are stories that are, are happening, you know, and they're very much current, right? Say, for mm-hmm. example, a few, a few um, newsletters ago, we did one on COVID-19 mm-hmm. and what uh, various African countries were doing. So obviously there are the issues that are happening right now that we feel definitely, you know, as, as uh, an entity that wants to be a leading voice on, mm-hmm. on African issues that we definitely need to jump on board. So there are those cases where these issues are happening right now and we definitely mm-hmm. need to, um, you know, create content for our um, for our consumers. So there's that yeah. one lens. And then there are also other issues generally that, you know, we would also just be doing our overall reading of the news and we think, okay, this is quite interesting. Um, you know, case in point, the very, the last uh, piece that we did on the Ethiopian <laughs> Grand uh, Renaissance Dam, yeah. uh, that's essentially this, you know, this been built in Ethiopia to generate power. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so there are those, those stories that aren't necessarily making headlines at the moment, but yeah. we feel that it's really important in terms of pushing that dialogue around, around economic development on the continent. Yeah. Um, and then there are also, you know, stories that we are also quite passionate about, uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, that we also just take that opportunity to also learn more about that story and case in point, you know, provide content for, for, for mm-hmm. our consumers. So it, there isn't a one size fits all approach, right. um, you know, but definitely our goal is a, you know, if it's happening and if it's relevant for our readers right now, you know, it may not be making headlines at the moment, but you know, there is a potential of it actually being an impactful stories a few months or years down the line, then you know, yeah. we make sure that we can definitely create content on that note. I love that. Yeah. That's really mm-hmm. great. Um I love yeah, what you said I think about that's the impact. Perfectly sorry, said actually. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, let me go on. <laughs> No, it's okay. I was saying that's perfectly said. Um, And in terms of learning, uh, yes, a hundred thousand times, yes, I've learned so much. I mean, it's just, I think so much of this for me, to be honest. (laughs) Sometimes I look at it like a selfish activity that I do for, (laughs) honestly, to help myself better understand. Uh, So yes, I am the audience and I am the creator. So yes, absolutely. I learned so much. I think we both learned a lot, but I think I'm getting the the lion's share of the learning. (laughs) Definitely. And and, it could also be, I mean, and also just to add on to that, right? It could also Mm -hmm. be a story that we read and, you know, um, individually, we just don't exactly know, okay, but what's the bigger story? Because, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes when, you know, oh, there's a dam in Ethiopia, for example, a lot of reporting on the Ethiopian dam would just be, okay, you know, there's this Ethiopian dam and, you know, Egypt isn't so happy about it and Sudan is sort of, mm-hmm. 
critical, right? But then that's just it. There isn't that deeper dive in terms of understanding, okay, but why is it an issue? Oh, and then, you know, you know, you'll see in that story, we actually go all the way to like 1929, there was this initial, um, um, agreement that was signed and then, mm. you know, flash forward 1959, there was this other agreement that was signed. So we, we also like to not only just tell you what's happening, but also what's the history and why yeah. is it happening? Mm-hmm. Why is it important now? And what does that look like a few years down the line, right? Mm-hmm. Based on A, the story itself, as well as B, other stories that are you know, that are, that are relevant to that story as well that are happening in other countries. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so we try, it, it is definitely a learning experience on each and every story that we do. Um, yeah. 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 I love that. I think that's really great because even what you were saying about you, you give the backstory. I find that, for example, when speaking about Africa, people get tired of hearing, well, Africans themselves, but people just in general get tired of hearing about the slave trade colonialism, all these things, because it's kind of like, oh, it's like, oh, no, but we've gone past this point. We've been independent for this long. We should be at this point. How do you guys feel about that in terms of, I think everything is super connected. It's most of the things, the way we work, the way we trade, the way we interact with each other is very much something that was constructed. So do you feel like that's always an important component to a story or can we just do without that? I'm not really sure that I understood the Sorry, can you, just, can you just say it again? Okay. So, for example, we could be talking about Cameroon and how they are. Mm-hmm. Cameroon is kind of sp- English-speaking, French-speaking, and then they have mm-hmm. these issues with how they do their classrooms. And then someone could say, oh, but this is a thing that was kind of constructed by France when they were here. And now that they've left, it's still mm-hmm. something that's carried on. But people could be like, nope, sorry, we've been independent for this amount of time. Why does that matter now? So when you, Christine, said about the backstory, for example, with mm-hmm. Egypt and how it was the British that kind of constructed that whole kind of system, mm-hmm. do those things still matter in the storytelling of Africa today? Or... Can we do without them? So much. Oh my gosh, yes, oh. so much. <laughs> I think that this is one of the things that <laughs> and I spend a lot of time like playing with because it's just, I think it's both frustrating and a necessary, a necessary path to understanding where, why we are where we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also somehow we might have this little underlying theory collectively that this independence that we have is not independence. <laughs> um, <laughs> everything, everything is um, and I think we did a piece recently on Zimbabwe um, mm-hmm. just asking is Zimbabwe really independent if they've been fighting this battle um, the same battle for 40 years over land land yeah. that was theirs that was taken away from them when uh, the Europeans came and colonized the land and you know then they kicked them out and over time like, they, they, they're still fighting that battle mm-hmm. in 2020 um, and I think, honestly, it, it is, I think it might forever be an inherent part of our history, like of our future development. But I think it's, mm-hmm. it's brilliant lessons. Most of them yeah. present really amazing lessons on uh, how with foreign bodies and foreign, how to relate with like foreign organizations. I think mm-hmm. the IMF itself, for example, uh, sometimes feels like a whole country of its own yeah, <laughs> and I think that the learnings that you, the learnings that you take from 
the leftovers of colonialism help you to know how best to relate with them um, and how, how to relate because we need each other. I think that yeah. that's always going to be a thing, especially with globalization. We still need each other. Um, and so it's not about removing ourselves from that global equation entirely, but mm-hmm. knowing how not to repeat the mistakes that will cause ripple effects for future generations. Because yeah. if we're still cleaning up messes today, uh, messes that we may never clean up in our lifetime, should we not yeah. then learn as we enter this new phase of colonialism? Should we not learn how better to engage these international, these international bodies and even just new countries that we're now engaging with? China is one that pops up in every other sentence. I mean, yeah. are we... Are we taking those learnings and applying them? And personally, I don't think we are, but I think it's now to empower the young people uh, who yeah. read the small shops, for example, to know what has happened and know mm-hmm. how best to lead better, know how best to engage with the international world around them that's not going anywhere anytime soon, COVID or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it makes us better leaders generally. But yes, absolutely. I think it's an inherent part of uh, in fact, you will find that in most of our articles, it seems like every time, and I think in this particular shop on Ethiopia, we had to delete a line because we were like, we say this a lot, <laughs> that it goes back to colonialism. <laughs> like, it does. It always lot. does. But I think we now agree that every single thing does. Um, and now it's about just taking those learning, um, helping people to chart better paths yeah. for the future. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. That is such a beautiful assessment. Um, and it just also, uh, you know, I, I go back to the story as well on Zimbabwe. And I was speaking mm-hmm. with a friend of mine from Australia after that piece went out. And she was like, oh my gosh, there was this, um, she you know, growing up in Australia in the 90s and um, in the 2000s, there was a lot of material, there was, there, was, there was a lot of reporting on Mugabe, but never was there the reference that the, the English uh, people actually, like back then, on the promise around providing you know financing and all that so it's about how is the african story being told yeah and and you know for the long time there's this i believe it's a nigerian proverb that talks about until i think the lion like when the hunter is telling the story of the lion something about you know the lion i I forget how it reads right but it's essentially around the the, the issue that you know the hunter is always the one that's telling the lion the story then the lion the lion learns to tell the story it will always glorify the hunter yeah perfect and essentially (laughs) you know we felt that we were africans and we need to tell the african story uh from an african lens um, and, you know, obviously that whole background is so important because things do not happen in a vacuum. Even when we're seeing the issues that are happening, you know, with Ethiopia and, mm. you know, Ethiopia saying that, um, you know, the U.S. seems to be biased and they are being undiplomatic, yeah. um, you know, and apparently supporting Egypt. Why are they supporting Egypt, right? There's an entire mm. story oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, around that. So it's, it's really important. We cannot just tell this story not yeah. talking about what are the root causes. Um, I, yeah. I particularly love that bit where it was like, okay, let's get an outside. Let's get a mediator. And Russia's like, sure, I'm, I'm happy to help. Everyone's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like just, everyone's like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And then I continued reading and I saw the US and the World Bank. I was like, <sighs> I know. What now? What's the catch? What now? <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. now? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually wanted to uh, go back, actually, if we could go back for a second to voter apathy. So mm-hmm. I live in London and I feel like I have a very interesting relationship with voting. So mm-hmm. I tend to, for me, a vote is like, and I feel like people that know about Nigerian politics and Nigerians and just people who know about that 2015 election. For me, voting is like, oh, we're going to go and do have like a big change. And when I say big change, I mean everything that we thought that Buhari would be. And that for me, that's like, okay, we're going to vote and there's going to be a big change. But I feel like that's because I'm Nigerian. And if you are going to vote, it's because you really, really want something to change. Whereas I live in the UK and I'm like, it feels like if I vote for Labour, if I vote for Conservative, if I vote for Lib Dems or whatever the case may be, the, the impact is not going to be, for example, as massive as if Buhari came in and we were done with corruption mm. and we were all these <laughs> things. It's like, it's like all these small impacts, but they, imp- mm. they impact on a much wider scale. So I tend to find that when it comes to voting, if it doesn't feel big and monumental, I'm just like, mm-hmm. ah, what's, my, <laughs> what's my business here? Yeah. Like <laughs> that sort of thing. That makes sense. No. I feel like it's an, in a way, it's a negative thing because it's like you said about the apathy. It creates that kind of gap where I just don't know. I just don't really want to interact with the small things because you feel like you make your own headway anyways. Mm. If that makes sense. Like, I always feel like I just make my own headway anyways. Like, where the government is falling short, you tend to... Okay. Yeah, no, just... that definitely makes you know a lot I mean? of sense. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's definitely something that we are trying to counter with the small chops. But I think somebody... Somebody put it to me in a very interesting way that I don't think I've ever let go of. Um, and I say ever, being that I've only voted once because I've only been in this country um, for one election. Yeah. Uh, I think they said go and vote not for, not necessarily for the leader or the change that you want, mm-hmm. but so that you get to have a say in what happens. So that, you, so that when you contribute to, um, you know, raving and ranting about what, what hasn't gone right and what's going wrong, it's somebody like you, you, you have the right to contribute to that conversation. Yeah. Um, and it made me feel like voting is not so much for voting is not so much for the uh, entire activity and the fanfare of, mm. of change, because I think the change that we often have in our heads is a little bit irrational. Um, yeah. Yes. We're in a developing country and yes, you know, like the stench of corruption is perhaps a bit stronger. And so having mm-hmm. somebody who's fighting that one battle is, is a, is a radical change. Yeah. I agree. However, I think voting needs to evolve from that to just using your power, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily to transform the nation, but because you have the right to, um, mm-hmm. and so that you can contribute to conversations with, with the rights. I don't know how to, I don't know if I'm explaining it. Like you, have, you have, I don't know. I think Yes, you have a stake. You have created, yes, exactly. It's a stake. You legitimately have a stake. And I think, I think people should be encouraged to make their way mm-hmm. while simultaneously um, also engaging with policy and engaging with leadership. I think yeah. making your way, um, the power is in your hands. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that people should ever forget that the power is in their hands. Even though the government can interfere with what you're doing, I think ultimately the power is in your hands and, and you have to be able to say, um, I am trotting my way, but I am also doing so in a way that affects the overall environment and in so doing affects 
policy direction. I mean, mm-hmm. just think about the volume of people who now, and I'm going to use <laughs> payment gateways. I think I said that before, but um, probably because I've been working in a financial inclusion space. <laughs> but it, it's it, it like it drives it drives policy when there's a larger volume of people doing something and making noise mm. about a certain thing. Those people are just making their way. But yeah. the government sees a certain action, a certain in a certain space and says, hey, you know, like, is this something we should be paying attention to? Why is there an increased volume? Well, even, mm. inter- even the interest of international bodies. I think, um, I think that those two things can work simultaneously. I think we often talk about it as though if you make your own way, then the government has no... You have no, nothing to do with the government. You have nothing mm. to do with voting. It doesn't really matter. But no, not quite. I think we yeah. have to be able to understand that both of those things have to have to live simultaneously. Mm. People should be encouraged to chart new paths, create new territories, break new boundaries while yeah. holding their leaders to account just by going out and saying, look, I'm going to use my right and say, um, this is the person I want. Whether yeah. or not that person actually comes in should not affect my ability or my decision to go back again the next time it's just about saying i have this tool and i'm going to use it whether you you know like because it's the one thing you can't take from me Mm -hmm. i love that it's great super uh, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. Um, and I'm, I'm from Kenya. And right now, there's been a lot of calls for a ballot revolution, for example. Um, what does that mean for our, our listeners that may not know what that means? Right. Um, I, I mean, I guess a lot of people have, have realized that for you to actually make a change, you need to vote out bad leadership. Um, and, and, and what yeah. a lot of activists right now are saying that, look, guys, like, let's show up in the next election, I believe it's in 2022, and just vote out bad leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, a, it's around that, Ooh. there's a bit of a buzzing sound. I don't know what's, is it, is it me or is it? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. It's a weird sound. Yeah, go on, it was to me. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so we'll start again um, with the ballot leadership. So what is yeah ballot revolution? Uh, ballot we've revolution, been talking sorry. about yeah, no worries. Um, you know, there's been a lot of referencing right now in Kenya around ballot revolution and just saying, hey, look, you know, let's stop voting and complaining on Twitter and actually show up on that day and yeah. and and make a difference. Um, and you know, and yeah, and, and you know, you you know, you compare, say, the UK and a lot of African countries, which are more or less around the same phase. Whereby, you know, obviously here in the UK, yeah. the institutions that you know, like you have powerful institutions that have already been set up, and you know, you've had decades and decades um, of actually. Um, you know, trying and, and making sure systems actually work, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in a lot of these emerging democracies and in a lot of these, you know, African countries, um, you know, in as much as we compare, oh, Singapore was in the same phase that we were, mm. um, you know, in the 60s and all that, well, you know, we are not at that level, right? So that's the first yeah. thing that we have to acknowledge and, and realize that the leadership at the top, because we are working in institutions where, in countries rather, whereby institutions are not as powerful, right? Um, you know, and by that I mean, you yeah. know, the bureaucracies, you know, like the Ministry of Health does not have as much capacity to actually implement if it's not getting the right political support, if it's not getting the right budgetary allocations, right? We, we mm-hmm. don't have such 
uh, robust institutions in place. So now that means that the people who are leading the country, the people who are heading those institutions, those are really important because yeah. those are the ones who are going to make or break policies. Those are the ones who are going to break the trajectory of the nations. Um, and so that's why voting and leadership is so important for Africa. Yeah. Because you need to make sure that the person, you know, that is at that the, the person that's heading those institutions, the people that are heading that the country is actually somebody who um, you know, who has the right um the right sort of set of policies that they need to implement to implement, you know, the yeah. somebody with with the right track record, um, you know, somebody who can actually get shit done. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to. Have <laughs> it's <on>. fine. <laughs> but anyway, you know, like people who can actually get, you know, get shit done. So, so that's why voting, um, you know, and actually just showing up and electing leadership, it's so important for a lot of these African countries, yeah. because those people are the ones that determine the trajectories that that the country, you know, sets on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think there was okay. So I know that we're not. I agree. Well, it's just simply not on the same, we're not doing the same thing Singapore is doing and we're not doing the same thing a lot of Western countries are doing. And one thing that I found is I feel like our leaders, Africa across the board, don't even know the policies, the laws. They don't know these things. So, for example, we're not going to have a debate, like a presidential debate or, or a local government kind of like, okay, so what is it exactly that you are you are doing what is it exactly that you believe like what exactly is your stance so someone once asked me um someone asked me oh in nigeria how do you what are your political parties like it was like how do you vote do you vote like more liberal or more conservative and i was like maybe this is not a fair assessment maybe you can correct me to me if i'm if i'm wrong but i just said to be honest i feel like nigeria as a whole is just it's just one conservative party like we don't need to differentiate between who is conservative, who is liberal. It's kind of like, that's not really what we're talking about here, if that makes sense. Like, that's not really... Yeah. That's not really... Like, no one's really thinking about that. It's more so what difference can you make? Now, how do people get informed about policies? Like, how do people actually know who is who, where to go to, who to speak to? Are you even going to be heard when you speak? Sorry, it might sound like we're being a bit repetitive, but I feel like these are important questions because if we're going to empower and equip young people to go into this space of like politics and get involved and actually feel like as we said they have a stake I don't know what the step is because right now I feel like involvement in politics for young people is Twitter bashing (laughs) like that's it (laughs) that's that's it that's That's actually it um just can you hear me clearly? You can edit this part out. I change earphones and I just want to make sure it still sounds clear. You sound lower. Okay. Um, any better? Yes, yes, much better. Okay, perfect. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I certainly agree with that. <laughs> I agree with everything you said. I think Nigeria, um, it wouldn't be an unfair assessment to say we're predominantly conservative, so it's very hard for you to have um, such, such differences in the overarching political stance. I don't think that's such a bad thing. Uh, personally, I don't actually think it's such a bad thing. I think mm. it's just the lack of clarity in what they stand for and what their what their mission is yeah. that often 
can be the challenge. Mm. Um, I think, honestly, and again, it's also not an unfair assessment to say, it sometimes feels like our leaders don't actually understand the policy. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I agree. And I think we have given up. Well, I haven't, no, that sounds bad. Um, I think to a large extent, we have kind of given up on our leaders um, and are just focused on empowering the leaders of tomorrow. We are saying that for all these people who read the small chops, for example, you know a little bit more about policy, whether it's policy in your own country or the policy in all these other countries. Um, you know a little bit about it enough to um, take an interest and go and read it yourself, enough, mm. to, take, in, enough to take the reins on your own. And mm. I think that um, in, I think we're doing our young people a disservice in general by not equipping them with this knowledge. Um, on a broader scale, because the small chops is just one thing. And I know that there are increasingly a lot, a lot more organizations who are trying to empower people with knowledge in an engaging way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, I think that it would be good if it was a core part of education mm-hmm. in getting people, getting, I mean, forget presidential debates, get young people to debate on what policy is and what's happening mm-hmm. so that you have people who can go into any room and, and challenge and I say this again, I ch- and challenge international bodies before they present you with <laughs> ridiculous, hard, like tight agreements that you can't get out of in 40, 50 years. I think, I think that, so personally, and I don't know if your team would agree with me, I've kind of given up on our leaders in, 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 like you can't, it's not wrong. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. And sometimes it's that they have gotten used to a comfortable way of life. They fought for so long for independence. Yeah. Um, the people who fought for independence are in leadership. I think they're tired. Uh, and it's, it's okay if they're tired. I just think now we just have to get ready for tomorrow. Yeah. What does tomorrow look like? Who's in charge of tomorrow? Um, mm. uh, yeah. I don't, I think then you have more well-structured political parties that are actually mm that have more clarity. I, I mean, and I think we are getting that. I mean, Banky W's party is a modern uh. democratic party. Thing. Um, while I was not necessarily <laughs> standing behind it, uh, I, I realized that they did make an effort in articulating their views a little bit yeah. more and in trying to trying to be clear and say, this is what we stand for. And even Kingsley Mogalu's party, I don't remember what it was, but he also, he was very, you know, like he had his whole manifesto. They were doing, mm. they were doing what they could to help people understand this is what we stand for. And I think for now, we may not be in a place where we can stand on two sides of a coin and say, hey, I'm conservative, you're liberal. And this is, I think it's okay that we are, yeah. uh, we are, I think our conservatism is actually, yes, it, it has its faults, especially with women's rights and things like that. Mm. But um, I think that it, it's okay for a developing country. Yeah. And now I think there's a unity to it in a way. Yes, there is. There actually is. We just now need to be able to articulate where we want to be and how we get there and who gets us there. And mm. and I think understanding policy is a great step to yeah. that. Um, so yeah, we're focused on young people. We're focused on uh, on people who care and people who want to engage and want to be a part of it. Yeah. Absolutely, um, absolutely, Simi. And when you're just seeing this about, you know, like n- how important it is to focus on young people, I just remembered I watched a video. Um, I think I can't remember when, but I watched a video about uh, Julius Malema, and he's the South African politician. I believe he was his party was running as well. He was running for the presidential um, elections, but obviously he wasn't successful. 
um, and he was talking about Africa, the African Union, and he was saying, he's a young guy, and he was talking about how the African Union is an old man's club who just mm. protect each other and they don't call each other out on, on issues. And he was talking about how, you know, African Union has this vision, um, it's called Vision 2063, and it's about essentially the kind of Africa that we want. Um, and he was saying, look, these guys are not going to be there in 2063. And he was saying that, look, these guys are not going to be around 2063. It's our responsibility to actually, like, you know, you know, realize that, you know, these people, they don't really have our interest at heart. You know, they will not be questioned in 2063 around, you know, why didn't we eradicate poverty or why Mm. didn't we ensure that all the existing conflicts within the continent have been, um, you know, have been have been solved, you know, and all and all of these other uh, agenda items that they have on that, that vision mm. of 2063. So, um, and and you know, that's why for us it's so important uh, for young people to get to work. I mean, we constantly talk about how Africa is the youngest continent, and we have you know like the youngest uh, yeah. um, you know youth population. I believe it's more than half of of the entire continent's yeah. population, and that just shows how it's so important. Actually, mm-hmm. if young people want you know want people that are actually standing um in place for their rights and you know it's Mm. so important for actually young people to start being um being involved and for them to actually show up you know um you know you know hence our whole entire value proposition we speak to the millennial how do we make sure that you actually understand how this policy or this document uh senior was talking about that you know that this document that you're president is signing how it's going mm-hmm. to affect you um there's one um activist in kenya born first morning he's always talking about how you know kenya the kenyan government has taken on so much debt that today mm-hmm. when a child is born you're automatically in debt wow right and so uh, yeah so so you need to understand that you know you need to understand that you know the next chinese loan that's being built you're gonna pay it out for your entire lifetime um you know so what does that mean you know the cost yeah. of wings is, is gonna go higher because then obviously the government needs to make money they need to tax you more so that they can be able to pay back some of these issues you know yeah. um you know so yes and you said unfortunately for a lot of young people um, you know, it's behind our computers and we are on Twitter and, mm. and, and actually, you know, the day of the elections, I don't know, we're probably nursing a you know, terrible hangover because we have a, <laughs> a, a work-free day on the day of elections. And, and, and that's unfortunate. <laughs> that's unfortunate. Um, I think in 2013 in Kenya, we had this, this guy that was running for president. He was a really young guy. He's called Peter Kenneth. And he had done so much as a member of parliament. And now he, he was running for the presidential election. And he was obviously, like out of everybody, he was obviously the best choice out of you know the people that we had. And everybody on Twitter was voting for him. And we were so sh- like I was sure that I mean at least he's gonna be much like even if he doesn't win but yeah. maybe the second or the third person and you know maybe also that just positions his party as a key opposition you know uh, key opposition party to also like you know push the the government of the day on on issues and, and the guy I think he was like in the bottom mm-hmm. and I remember one of my lecturers 
uni that time and i remember one of my lecturers coming to school and he was like what happened like this guy was just a twitter <laughs> president everybody on twitter was voting for him but nobody actually <laughs> cared to wake up and go and vote the elections that's are now one on twitter as they say yeah <laughs> you know and i think that's the problem we can we can I, I, there's a guy who, who always says, nothing, I think this is my brother who told me that in life, there are two types of people. There are people who do shit and there are people who don't do shit. That's very true. And we just need to do shit about issues. Uh, perfect. Oh yeah, I've seen. I feel like it's gone the perfect about doing. So there are lots of people. I actually, I want to... I want. I feel like I want to ask a question, but it might be a segue. Okay, before we segue into towards the end of our conversation, I wanted to ask about the doing doing of things. Now, when you guys decided to start the small shops, actually, no, I'm not going to start there. Sorry, I'm going to cut that bit out. We're not going to start there. No worries. This thing about elections and the youth. So my boss was saying, in one of our meetings, just a passing comment, and she was like, oh, there's like a conference or like a a talk, a conference in Nigeria. She was like, and someone was like, oh, I wonder what it's going to be about. She was like, corruption, leadership, and the youth. She was like, that's what it's always about. How do you avoid (laughs) sounding like a broken record? Girl, <laughs> I think because that people that's... that are listening to us are probably going to be like, "We've heard it all before." Like, how do you avoid that? Um, I think that it's. A, I, I mean, I really think that there's nothing wrong with being a broken record because I don't think that people get. If you got it, then you would act. Um, I think it's that simple. <laughs> I think that. <laughs> I think no. I think if you got if you got it, you would act. You would find a way to act. You would find a way to do something about it. So I don't. I I don't think that. It, I think we need to keep sounding like broken records. I just think that the delivery needs to keep changing. Mm. Uh, we live in evolve. Like we live in exciting, dynamic times. The delivery of our content, of our messages, of just of, of this broken record. This broken record needs to be presented in new formats and i think people are doing that in in more people are increasingly doing that in in exciting ways i think um but it's just it's yeah i think the broken record thing is not is not it's not a problem um i don't i think for the youth however um there's there has been a lot of apathy i mean i think even personally growing up i remember um as a teenager, my dad would be like, you don't even know what's happening in your own country. Read the news. I'm like, yeah, no, anyway, you'll be you. fighting Joe Biden's battles on Twitter. <laughs> you, know, you know, like, and I would just be like, yeah, no, but why would I? And I would watch my parents read these large newspapers and it was just so, why would I do it? And I, mm-hmm. I think, I think that people don't really have access. You, you think that a lot of people are listening to those talks about corruption and this and that, but they're not, they're not, they're not actually they're not getting critical messages that empower them to do anything about it. They're not, you sit at a conference and people say the Nigeria of tomorrow is this and this and this, the Africa of tomorrow is this, the Kenya of tomorrow, like, you know, like you, you you hear people say these things and you hear about, you know, like what we need to do. People keep spending time saying we as the nation need to, our leaders need to this, our leaders. Okay. I've heard you. That's all that's <laughs> We've heard you. <laughs> let's, let's take it one step at a time. Let's say you are a lawyer. And I'm a lawyer. You know, like you're a lawyer. What, mm-hmm. you know, a lawyer is thinking, what can I do? 
each person needs to realize that they, they, they can play a role where they currently are. Not everybody needs to run for office. Can we calm down Absolutely. with the running for office? <laughs> not everybody Absolutely. needs to like, yeah, not everybody needs to be on the ballot. What, where is it that you work currently mm-hmm. and what is it that you can do in that space? And I think honestly, I, I hope that the small chops can be a testament for that because for us, it's literally like, you're literally writing a newsletter. Ultimately, mm-hmm. if you look at it as a newsletter, that means nothing. It's absolutely yeah. irrelevant and incons- inconsequential. <laughs> and, and we have to fight the urge, I think, to realize that it is more than a newsletter. It is, yeah. it is empowerment. It is access. It is information. It is knowledge. It's power. Like, it's all of these things. And mm-hmm. yes, it may sound high and mighty to say that, but I think each person then yeah. has to take <laughs> thank you each person has to take take a minute and look at what it is that they do and see how it can be done see how it can contribute to the greater good uh, we, yeah. we can't have enough people doing doing more um so yeah there's absolutely nothing wrong with the broken record i repeat mm-hmm. um i just think that people haven't gotten the message yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna keep yeah. we're gonna keep repeating it <laughs> the broken yeah. record is for those that are hard of hearing I mean, that's the same Absolutely. Thing hearing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to talk actually about contributing where you're at. Like, I feel like our generation now, in our society, impact actually means something that is big, that is explosive, that is, I'm creating this company and it's going to be the next Facebook, Uber, this, that. Like, actually, your contribution could just be in changing mindsets. Your contribution could be volunteering a weekend in a month and teaching girls coding or something like your contribution doesn't always have to be big. But what I find right now is that a lot of people that want to start things and they're great ideas. And then they just stop. It's almost like they start, there's a will to start and then it could end there and they could start. And in the first few weeks they're going and then they stop. I wanted to ask when you guys, what was the biggest thing that you felt oh my gosh, you want to start this, but you were kind of like, it was like a road sign, kind of. Hmm. I think that's a lovely question, Christine. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) My gift to you. (laughs) Oh, this is funny. I mean, wow. Do you... Before I answer your question, this just reminds me, I remember like when I was, uh, I was just graduating out of uni and I remember sitting with one of my mentors uh, in her office, she was, she was a lecturer and I constantly kept on telling her like, I want to know what I'm supposed to do in life. And I just wanted to, you know, like I just want somebody to tell me this is it. Like I need a sign yes. and I would just run with it. And obviously it never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I guess, look, I think I, Wow. This I don't know. Thinking. I mean, I know. So if I can help I, you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think, I don't know. I think that, I think we collectively, I think we helped each other remove any road signs. Um, and I think that's one of the great things about having a partner, right? Yeah. Um, it's like, it, it's like anytime I said, but what if we need to reach these people? And what if these people don't, she would then, you know, like she would then, Christine would say, okay, no, 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 but think about it like this. And I think it has helped. So mm. currently, I think the reason why we're struggling <laughs> to think of our road signs is because ultimately that we've, we, we've helped each other to take them away that yeah. we, we now can't really remember what it was that we felt 
um, was really a hinge. I don't, I think if it was maybe it's technical, like, okay, what newsletter platform do we use? Or mm. do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, how do we build a yeah. website? It's not, it was never a road sign. It was just a little, you know, it wasn't even a bump in the road. It was probably just more like, um, okay, like directions, GPS. Okay, go left at this. Okay, go left means build a website. Okay, what does that look like? It wasn't really right. um, a stop sign per se. Um, yeah. And I, I think that has been a gift. It's been a gift, honestly. Yeah, that's great. And, and I guess, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, and I think we're still figuring it all out, right? Mm-hmm. We envision small shops not just being a newsletter, right? Yeah. Being, mm-hmm. um, you know, a bigger, a bigger, a bigger, um you know, a bigger company, a bigger initiative that, you know, we, you know, Simi, for example, initially talked about how obviously right now our main audience is the millennial, but, you know, we also want to be able to reach out to that man on the street who does not have mm. access to the internet mm-hmm. and who is not reading, um, you know, our newsletters and, you know, doesn't have access to email and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So we, we definitely are still... Um, you know, building, building the, the, this idea as, as, uh, well, it's not really an idea anymore, but like, you know, we're still definitely, (laughs) um, you know, figuring stuff out. But I think, yeah, I guess, I guess we, it was also like a perfect opportunity in that, you know, we both collectively knew what, you know, we knew that we wanted to do more than just what our day job at that point entailed. Mm. And, you know, we were definitely able to identify the gap that we wanted to fill and, I had my own background. Simi had, you know, her background as well. Yeah. And we were just able to come together and make something beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so obviously, think, that, yeah. yeah, there was that like opportunity that also met the fact that we were, we had been equipped in our different uh, walks of life to actually create this. Um, yeah. I feel like that's you, Simi, going off in the background. Is that Simi? So sorry. I do. I just that. don't I just know knew why. That it was you. It's always me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Christine, did I it's all right. Did it, did it interrupt the last part? No, no, no I think I, I oh, said everything. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm so sorry. Honestly, like, I think I I'm, like... I'm the bad egg. <laughs> it's fine. This it's is fine. basically <laughs> what you go through and you're recording during COVID and everything has to be virtual. <laughs> this yeah. Like people yeah. standing yeah. up in their underwear, people's kids walking into meetings. It's just, <laughs> yeah. just what it is. <laughs> um, it really is. So would you guys say that you are definitely we've only got about 10 minutes left mm-hmm. um would you say they are definitely the feel the fear and do it anyways people i are we christine are we i mean i think look i think Fear is like the greatest holdback ever. Mm. Just that fear of, oh my gosh, what are we going to write? What if we don't have content for the next newsletter? And, you know, what exactly does that look like? You know, we don't, you know, we don't know. We don't yeah. I think you just have to start. Like start small, make it. I know this sounds so cliche when you say it. Cliches and everybody are the says truth. It, but, you know, is it, you know, you want to build something and just action, action items, you know, identify what exactly do you need to do for, you know, this. I mean, I always think about it, you know, you want to make a meal, then you identify all the ingredients that you need and, you know, you get those together and you just have to start 
start small, start somewhere. Mm. Like, just fuck it mm. and do it. Yeah. <laughs> start, no, seriously, start where you like, are. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, so I, I have a different take. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was ever afraid because I was frustrated. Yeah. Um, so it's more like feel the frustration and do it and do it because of the frustration. I think I was uh. genuinely frustrated with people just not being like not being so eloquent, not being problem simple. Solver. I think I think honestly that's that's really what I am. I, I'm a problem mm-hmm. solver in my relationship. I'm a problem like I just <laughs> I wanted everything to be simple. I think, yeah. and that's, and, and that's honestly, is my, anytime I read anything and I find somebody starting to dance around something, I'm just like, but what is it that you're trying to say? And it's ironic because I think sometimes when I speak to people, they're like, but what is it that you're trying to say? <laughs> so I think the paper is my friend. Um, and I think honestly, pr- frustration propelled us such that the, the fair honestly kind of took a back seat mm-hmm. um, because it's like we, our continent can be great. Come on, like, come on, guys. <laughs> our continent, you know, like we can be great. Our people are great people. We have potential. We have talent. Yes, we were colonized and they're, you know, like, we're, still, we're still cleaning the bruises. We're still hangover like, from that. <laughs> you know? Yes, we, we were. But like, can we not, you know, like, I think it's the frustration and it's also, it's, it, it's, we found, I think we found that, look, that helplessness, that mm. helplessness kept directing us. So being frustrated, being a li- feeling a little bit helpless and saying, what is it that I can actually do? Yeah. And I'm, you know, like I'm frustrated with this, but I can't do much. So what is it in my own space that I can actually do? And I think the I think, and again, having a partner helps the fear to fade away. Yeah. <laughs> and I, know, I think, probably, you know, like it's a little bit, yeah, it's better together because you you then have somebody that just kind of encourages you, look, no, 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 we can do it. We can do mm. this. Somebody who, okay, you guys are like, oh, our vision is not aligning now. How do we sit down and, and that's not to say that Christine and I are like BFFs, hunky dory roses and butterflies. No, but it's that we are, we are fostering a relationship and we're, we have each other's back and we're saying, mm. okay, how can I help you? Oh, I'm starting to be worried about this. Oh, no, no, no. Do you know what? Just sit down. Let's yeah. take a minute. And it's, it's, it, it helps. Honestly, for me, I don't, I don't know necessarily that I would have started the small chops <laughs> if there wasn't somebody who like I felt was carrying the other half of the steak. Yeah. And that's not to say that I don't do things in my personal life by myself. Oh no, mm. I do. Um, and I, I find my way any somehow, but I think with this um, and with the potential that the small chops has, mm. I think sharing it was, was quite, was, was a gift and it was quite nice. It, it is quite nice. Uh, mm. So yeah. It's your love child, your African love child. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> I love that. I've really, really, really enjoyed speaking to you guys today. I'm really hoping that people listening will, it will create a hunger and a thirst. First of all, sign up for the newsletter. Where, can, where and how can people sign up? I mean, so if you go to our Medium page, there's a link right under, if you type in the small shops on Medium, there's a link right there. It's not hard to see. It's a short link. Click on it. You're there. Or just type in the small chops on Instagram. Like, it, we're not hard to find. Um, no I'll link everything just... in the... I'll yes. link everything for you guys. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just look for the small chops um, mm-hmm. on Medium, on Instagram, Twitter. It's all there. Perfect. Everybody sign up, read it on your commute. Literally, that's like my Friday morning or Friday evening. <laughs> Literally, that was when, I was when we were commuting on tube, that was like my read. 
it makes you td jakes actually said this thing one time he said interesting people have interests learn it's a conversation yeah. starter. You know a little yeah. bit. You know a little bit about a different African country. Like I'm Nigerian. Yep. Who would have thunk it that Ethiopia, Sudan, and Egypt are <laughs> fighting over the Nile? <laughs> for goodness' sake! <laughs> 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 I know, I but it's know. it's interesting content, and it it will inspire you guys. Have a what can I do section. It, is, it inspires people, as you said. It's impactful. It encourages you to participate. If you don't participate in Africa. Well, <laughs> don't complain when, when she sits down. Get out, leave the continent, please. Don't complain. <laughs> <laughs> um, in honor of small chops, I have my last question for both of you. What is what okay. are your favorite and your worst small chops, food wise? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh my gosh, I do want to be allowed back to Nigeria <laughs> when I go back. <laughs> so I'm afraid this is a trick question. Um, but honestly, though, I love samosas. Um, my, my not so great uh, small chops is. I think is you it, can. Mm-hmm. Is it masa? Which one is that? Most the one that's like I don't know it's like plantain but it's I not. hate that one I don't even know what that is oh, it's like yeah. a rainbow I don't even know what the hell that is yes 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 especially like when you bite into it and then there's so much oil oh uh, yes oh my yeah. gosh yeah. I think <laughs> yeah I think yeah. I think that's a lot of people's worst one because it's like you can't really understand what it is um, and for the longest time I used to call it gizdodo because I thought that's what it was and people were like mm. be like you don't like giz dodo how can you know that i'm like have you tasted it all the oil but yeah absolutely hate it um, yeah, w- w- wait what was the name again masa or masa or masa. I ah, yeah, yeah i don't i really don't know why it's in there <laughs> like, <laughs> I, said, I think it's just a like, journey <laughs> of piling things in so oh, this would be nice <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's no reason yeah. for it to be there <laughs> It really isn't. Yeah. It really isn't. I think everybody loves puff puff though. Like puff oh, yeah. puff is puff the winner. Like it's a winner. Oh, yeah, spring rolls are the winner for me about puff puff. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I mean, too much puff puff, and you're like you're not feeling great. But if you have, <laughs> like, you can't really have too much spring roll, can you? It's like yeah. vegetables and a thin layer of dough. Like yeah. you're good. <laughs> and gizzard, gizzard, gizzard. Is I love gizzard, but no one is dry. Some people fry that gizzard, and it literally becomes True. like mushy. It's just like come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> fair, fair point, fair point. Like, what did the gizzard do to you? Why did it's you so dry? dry. I'm just like, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, you're making me hungry, guys. Please stop. <laughs> Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you guys so much. I'm so happy that we had the conversation. I'm happy about what you guys are doing. I'm happy that you are women in Africa. You're talking about politics and that might not seem like a big deal, but for some people it it is. No, it is. Yeah. (laughs) Playing your parts for our continent. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for this platform. Honestly, I commend you and I just hope that you know you're able to reach millions and billions of people (laughs) and thank you for having us thank you guys